1: Now, let's get to the play, because this play was, this was a play I'm so glad I saw it with my son watching. My five-year-old's been getting into these games. He falls asleep before the games are over, but it was learning baseball. Basic stuff, runners in scoring position, things like that. Basic strategies. So when the Mets are challenging two plays at the same time in the sixth inning, this was a fascinating play to try to explain. And if you didn't see it or you don't remember it, first and second, nobody out. Starling Marte hits a ground ball to Williams Astadio, who's in the game because Chaz Chisholm's out with a back injury. And Astadio, I think, makes the right play. He charges at Nimmo, tags Nimmo, throws to first base. They call Nimmo out. They call Marte out. But hold the phone. Replay shows Marte beat it. Okay, that's easy. Marte beat it. Jack can understand that. Yes, he beat it. He should be safe. But then you got that weird play at second where Estadio clearly tags Nimmo with his glove and the ball is in his hand. So obviously he's safe. It's pretty straightforward. But here's where things get a little murky. Estadio knows he effed up. Because immediately after throwing the first base, screams get the ball back to me. Ball gets thrown back to him. He tags Brandon Nimmo. They go to review. Great move by Bach. I mean, you got to love Bach just being all over it. I'm challenging everything. I'm challenging the play at first. I'm challenging the play at second. Play at first is easy. Marte is safe. The play at second. Here's what, you know, logic sometimes doesn't win out. As the D.O. is admitting in the midst of the play, I didn't tag him. So I'm trying to fix my mistake. Like when Lindor almost missed first base on the home run and Lindor quickly goes back and touches it, or when Marte scores and he misses home plate and then goes back and touches it, sometimes the player realizes it, they quickly fix it. So Astadio's saying, hey, I didn't tag him correctly, give me the ball back so I can tag him. Ball gets back to Astadio, he obviously tags Nimmo, who thinks he's called out. So the umpire is ruling, I think Buck was agreeing with this after the game, hey, you can't blame Brandon Nemo. Because Nimo's called out. So what? why is he running the second base once he's called out? And I understand that, and I respect that. But Astadio also, immediately, before there's any review, is saying, I didn't tag him correctly. I'm trying to fix it. So I'm not disagreeing with the umpires. I'm just trying to be logical here. Logically, Nimmo should be out. Now think about it. He He should be out even though, yes, he may have run to second base if the umpire didn't call him out, Astadio's immediately realizing, I effed up, let me fix it. If Astadio never does that, okay? Nothing ever happens. Then, of course, Brandon Nimmo is safe, and he should go to second base. But I think, and this is why replay is so awesome, yet not perfect. (laughs) I love that there's replay. You want to fix these mistakes, but logic gets eliminated. Now, as a Mets fan, I'm thrilled because the play benefited the Mets. It was about to be a runner on third two outs. Instead, there's bases loaded, nobody out. And to their credit, really to Lindor's credit, who had that monster Friday night game with the home run in the first inning, he rips the bases clearing double. Beautiful. I think that was the play where Nimmer almost got outrun by Starling Marte. I think that was the exact same play when Lindor hit the bases clearing double. So uh, I'm not saying the umpires got it wrong. I'm just saying sometimes you watch these things, and this is all new to us because replay is still relatively new, so this isn't something that's been around for 100 years. I just think logically Ashton Dio got screwed. He made a mistake. He immediately realized, even before review I made a mistake, let me try to fix it, and he got effed To the point where he got DFA'd on Sunday. <laughs> I'm not saying it's related, but... Hey, he came in for Jazz Chisholm. It changed the entire game, and obviously... That play broke it open, and then we got the biggest moron in baseball. And I'm surprised, Pete. I'm disappointed in you, Pete. You know why I'm disappointed in you. Me? I'm not. Uh, there's probably plenty of reasons. I'm not sure what this one is though. So I've got a theory, and I don't think Don Mattingly confirmed it. But on Friday night, John Birdie, the biggest moron oh, wow. in baseball, down by two runs. Mister, hey, I gotta pad my stats. <laughs> tries to steal second base in a two-run game, and to the credit of my man Tomas Nito, he throws him out. And really to the credit of, I think it was Guillerme who blocked him from getting to second base. So really it was a great play by Guillerme. Birdie's out, right? Right after there's like an infield hit. <laughs> so the game continues on. I'm convinced Mattingly didn't play Birdie on Saturday because he was so effing pissed off at him for being caught stealing in a two-run game in the ninth inning. So, my question is, Pete, why didn't you release John Birdie in fantasy? You should have gotten rid of this guy. This is a stat padding moron who's trying to steal second
0: base in a two-run game. Uh, I made many mistakes this weekend, and that was one I was going to drop him. Instead, I uh, dropped Brendan Donovan, who went, uh, had a triple and a home run today.
1: <laughs> By the way, you did drop Brendan Donovan, and I want you to be the first to know that I have already placed my waiver claim on Brendan Donovan. So... If you want so want to get have, I. <laughs> <So fight. laughs> I'll i fight but, you for it, <laughs> by the way, what the, what the hell was John birdie thinking? Like I, I can't get over that. And what's also weird is not only is John birdie crazy for running down two in the ninth inning, I can't believe Nitto threw because usually that's an easy defensive indifference where birdie's not even getting a stolen base. Anyway, the whole thing just
0: Boggled my mind when that went down in the ninth inning. Well, the Marlins, I mean, they talked about it plenty. How they are just a very selfish team. No one's running out balls, even to first base. Like they're all just like lollygagging through. There's not good chemistry. Like Jazz is electric, but there's something a little bit off with that team, and that's why they had those meetings with Maddonlier a couple months, like what a couple weeks ago. You're right,
1: because an inning earlier in that game, Avasal Garcia hit a ground ball to third base and, like, didn't move. And I don't know if it's a coincidence, but Garcia didn't play Saturday, didn't play Sunday, and John Birdie didn't play Saturday. Now, I haven't heard if Don Mattingly benched him, and maybe that was more of a private thing, but I would have benched him because I just know this as a fan, where Diaz had been shaky, even though he changed the story on Saturday because he was dominant on Saturday. Diaz has been shaky. If I'm John Birdie, and I got the second and third hitters in my lineup coming up, I cannot be thrown out trying to go to second base. Like, it doesn't make any baseball sense. That's not only selfish, it's stupid.
0: No, and then that's the, the but that's the Marlins' ML right now is they're very stupid. They're very it, I I don't want to say selfish, but they're just not playing hard nosed baseball. Which is the what's the Mets do. Like the, people keep on questioning why the Mets continue to win games, why they're the best in the NL. It's because they're gritty. They fight things out. Like Francisco Lindor smiling, but he's also hustling down the line. He's making he is doing defensive things. He's doing even the play at second base where he'll get, almost got tagged out, and he's like. Sl- Made that crazy oh, slide. That was great. It's beautiful. Like Things like that, people don't recognize all the time. Like That's why he may not be an MVP, but that's an MVP move.
1: Well, you know, as a team, the Mets aren't dumb. And there haven't been many moments where you walk away from a game and say, hey, they lost this game because they were stupid. Like, you look at the Sunday game when we railed about it. They lost because they didn't get a big hit. That's an execution thing. It's not even hey, they made this dumb mistake, they made that dumb mistake. And now that's happened in the past, but it hasn't happened this year. You let the other team make the dumb mistake, and then you take advantage of it. And that's that's pretty much what they did. So, look, I give them credit. I guess there's a reason why the Marlins are a sub-500 team, whether it's selfishness or it's just being dumb and playing dumb baseball. Uh, to the Mets' credit, that's part of why they were able to win two out of three. And they won every challenge in this series. Like, every time Buck challenged, it seemed to be a smart challenge. And I think there may have been one Don Mattingly challenge, and he took the offer. Uh The Saturday game was about our boy Pete. I mean, Pete Alonso continues to have an incredible year. The home run in the second, the home run in the eighth inning that turned out to be the game winner in this game. The clutch RBI double by Brandon Nimmo to add some insurance. Really good, solid pitching by Chris Bassett, who gives you seven innings. And Chris even said this after the game. I'm going out there and I'm giving you innings. So even in a game in which he allows three runs, he gives up a couple of home runs in this game, the Sanchez two-run bomb, he gives him seven innings. And that is so freaking important, especially with a bullpen that's not that good. And to Bassett's credit, to Carrasco's credit, when he's been on, obviously hasn't been good his last few starts. To Peterson's credit on Sunday, to Taiwan Walker's credit, hopefully to Max and Jake when they're back. This rotation, and I know their team ERA isn't good since Max got hurt, But this rotation gives them innings. And giving them innings lets you hide the fact that this is not a great bullpen. You know, Seth Lugo came back and he pitched a clean eighth inning. First two guys hit the ball very hard off him. I don't think any of us have any confidence in Seth Lugo. So, you know, when you get seven out of Bassett and you know you got Diaz in the ninth inning and you're only asking your bullpen to get three outs, which is all they were asking from Seth Lugo, that's a win. So, great performance by Chris Bassett, who definitely looks like a different pitcher. I give him credit for that. I mean, I remember we were looking at him a couple of starts ago saying, what the hell's going on with him? You know, what's wrong with Chris Bassett? But Chris Bassett has absolutely figured out. And I, I needed, I needed, selfishly, I needed that Edwin Diaz dominance on Saturday night. Heart of the order. Granted, it's the Marlins, but still, heart of the order, Soler, Aguilar, Jesus Sanchez, bing, 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 strikes out the side, uh, dominating out of Edwin Diaz, because his last few saves, including the night before, hadn't been very dominant. I was curious if the Mets had held on, because remember they had a brief lead in that game, uh, David Peterson had. If they had it, did they actually have a lead? Yeah, they had a lead for one inning, I think. I think David Peterson gave it back immediately when Rojas hit the home run. But if they had ever regained the lead, Diaz wasn't going to pitch the ninth inning. I mean, there's no way. Now, two two performances in a row. Buck trying to be extra conservative with him, even with an off day coming up. And the Mets have had a lot of off days. They continue to have a lot of off days, which is great considering the state of the rotation. Considering Carlos Carrasco, if they needed to, it doesn't appear like they will. Could have pushed him back. Uh, You can skip a guy like Trevor Williams. Again, if you want to, it looks like they are. So these off days are actually beneficial, but this rotation has been able to help hide the fact that this is not a great bullpen outside of Edwin Diaz. And with Scherzer coming back soon, and hopefully Jacob DeGrom, that'll continue. Doesn't mean they shouldn't add a relief arm. And I'm sorry, Colin Holderman and Trevor May coming back, they're not the answers. I thought Holderman actually pitched pretty well before he got hurt. Trevor May, who knows? I can't rely on Trevor May. But when you can get... Seven innings out of your starters, and maybe they could have gotten more out of David Peterson. I wouldn't have pushed it, but Buck could have. We saw Buck push Chris Bassett one start earlier. It obviously didn't work out against the Marlins last Sunday, but it certainly helps kind of hide some of the efficiencies with this bullpen. As far as Max and Jake are concerned, let's start with Max.
2: Passion, drive, and patience. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: I have no issue with the Mets giving him another rehab start. Uh, I mentioned this last week. You got to be conservative. You got to make sure Max is healthy. With that said, I do wonder aloud. When Scherzer was asked why another rehab start, and he said, I can't have a setback. I do wonder if you're pitching where and why would it matter at what level? You know, Max is such a competitor. I don't think Max Scherzer goes in with double-A start and doesn't try as hard. I mean, you saw the intensity of Max Scherzer before his one rehab start. He's intense. Like, the main reason to me why you keep a guy in a rehab assignment is so that you don't only get four innings out of him when you call him back. That could affect your bullpen for three or four days. Or maybe you're not as confident with the performance. You want to get the the fine-tuning of being out there for a start or two. In Max's case, if you're not concerned about either of those things, it's not as if he's giving 70% effort in a rehab start for Binghamton. We see how crazy he is. So I, from that aspect, I don't really understand the setback a- attitude towards it. But whatever. I don't have an issue with it. Especially around this time of year where you have the off days. And you could tell it's not like you have to start Trevor Williams again. You don't. Right now, Trevor Williams could go to the bullpen. You can start. Carrasco, and you could start, let's see, tie pitch Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Boom. Tie pitch Wednesday. You could have Carrasco Tuesday coming off the back issue with Trevor Williams to back him up just in case things go bad. Taiwan walker on Wednesday. He got another freaking off day on Thursday. Boom, the weekend series against Texas, and potentially have Max Scherzer for Sunday's game. So it looks like we'll see Max by the weekend against Texas. As far as Jake's concerned, let's play the counting game. Because Buck was asked recently, hey, when's Jake coming back? And Buck, <laughs> this would annoy us if the Mets weren't good. I'm telling you right now. Buck says, well, I, I, I know the plan for Jake, but I'm not going to tell you. Like He's basically taunting us. Like, I'm not going to tell you. I know the plan. I know when he's going to pitch. But you know who I'm not going to tell? I'm not going to tell you. It's not really a good
0: buck imitation, but I,
1: I, I don't, I don't know.
0: That's pretty. You got a buck accent. imitation? Pete? No, no, I don't. But I, I'm not gonna try that. That was terrible. That was atrocious. And <laughs> hey, listen, P, I'm not gonna tell you. I just know he ain't. He's gonna start when I
1: tell him to start, and it ain't gonna be when I tell you. You sound, you sound like more like Kevin Costner in some kind of weird western. No, I stu- I sound like Charlie Manuel when he was the manager of the Phillies. Yeah, Jimmy Rollins, <sighs> he's really good. And the Mets, yeah, they're a bunch of choke artists. That's what Cole Hamill said. You do sound like Charlie Manuel. So here's my math on Jake. And I know the last time I played the counting game with Jacob DeGrom was last summer, and he hasn't made a start since. But Jacob DeGrom, unlike Max, it's going to take a while for him to increase the workload. So he threw a bullpen the other day in which he threw 20 pitches and faced live hitters. He's going to have another bullpen in which, let's say, he throws 30 pitches. If the Mets finally deem him ready, remember, there's a clock. There's a 30-day clock. As soon as they put him on a rehab assignment, 30 days begins. So, at least we would know, let's say he begins a rehab assignment on July 1st. We would know 100% by August 1st, barring a setback, because you could obviously take him out of the rehab and just keep him on the injured list. But you would know, assuming no setbacks, he'd be back by August 1st. And I got to tell you, man, I think they're going to use every day in that rehab. That's why I'm telling you right now, if I had to lean, I'd say we're looking at August now. I used to think uh, the all-star break, but let's just do the math on this. If he makes his first start this weekend, a week from now, I don't even know if that's realistic, but let's just say that's what it is. You start starting that 30-day window, boom, on July, first, uh, July 1st. Let's say he makes the start July 1st, which would be this weekend. He's going to need four rehab starts. Let's say he starts by throwing two innings. Then he goes to three innings. Then he goes to four innings. Now he gets to five. That's four rehab starts. Again, assuming no setback, because obviously that changes everything. Four starts, five days between starts gets you to 20 days. Plus, you want maybe give a couple extra days you're looking at the full 30 so i would guess right now again i keep saying it because i get nervous barring no setbacks, i would think august 1st is starting to become the realistic date. i don't think it's the all-star break i just don't because i think they're going to want to maximize the fact that he hasn't pitched in a year he needs a complete full spring training look how long spring training is Look how long a starter generally needs to build up. So we're really looking here at when's he making that first rehab start and then add the 30 days to it. So I'm figuring August 1st, and then they're going to be very, very careful with him once he starts pitching, which again, I'm not complaining about it. I'm not disagreeing with it. I think you have to be careful. The guy's barely pitched in a year. I'm just trying to be honest about the realistic timetable expectation for Jacob DeGrom. But once he makes a rehab start, man, it's going to be exciting. i tell you right now, when he makes that first rehab start, ML, M-I-L-B, Minor League Baseball, they got to show us that game. We're all going to watch it. And you know what we're all going to do when Jake pitches? We're going to hold our breath every time he throws a baseball. And every time we see the velocity at 101 miles an hour, we're all going to cringe. We're all going to look at it and say, ah, ah. How fast did he just throw? Yeah, every time, every time he breaks off a nasty slaughter, and I say, that's a nasty slaughter. But geez, is he all right? How's he feeling? And then those few days after he makes the start is also going to be nervous. How's he feeling? Is he okay? I-, I do think, in all seriousness, it's weird to say this about de Gram because he is hopefully a future Hall of Famer. He's my He's become my all-time favorite man. I love the guy. Getting Max back right now is the priority because I think we have seen this team succeed with Max Scherzer as the ace. Jacob DeGrom has been a theory. And, I, and I've used that phrase a lot to describe basketball players over the years. Ben Simmons is a theory. Kevin Durant is a theory. Remember when he missed the whole first year because of Achilles injury? I'm very used to a guy not being on a team but us continuing to talk about a guy as if he was on the team. I love Jake. He hasn't pitched in a year. And think about this. The last time Jacob DeGrom pitched and was able to continue pitching on a a two-month-in-a-row consistent basis without any kind of issue, you basically got to go back to 2019. 2020 was such an odd season. He missed a short period of time. Nothing significant, but he did miss a little bit of time in 2020. Even when he pitched in 2021, every other start, there was some kind of physical issue. So, uh, I'm hopeful But let's keep in mind how little Jake has actually pitched over the last couple of years.